0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Plotlines, I'm Connor, and today we're going to talk about the similarities between the Byzantine Empire and its, and its fall in 1453, and the evolution of the fictional empire, or the fictional kingdom of Gondor from Lord of the Rings. And the interesting thing is that it seems that Gondor may have been based off of um, off of the Byzantine Empire in a few ways um, so the story of the Byzantine Empire from start to finish is sort is a very slow um decline with little bursts of um with little bursts of victory that was that you know that that made them gain a lot of land and um and it made it seem as though that they were not going to fall but then they would have another um fall they would have another slow uh Wait, uh, defeat. They would have, like, yeah, it would always be about a slow defeat that would bring about their loss of that land again. And then they would lose more land, and then they would, again, have moments where they would be able to get that land back, but then they would, again, be pushed back, lose more land. And then the Ottoman Empire came up and actually surrounded them, uh, took the land... They well, so the Byzantine Empire existed. it was the Eastern Roman Empire originally, and then once the Western Roman Empire uh fell, then people started calling it the Byzantine Empire because there was the Holy Roman Empire and all that stuff so and it was known it was known mostly by itself like for a long time, but uh as the Roman, as, like, the Eastern Roman Empire, even though, or the Roman Empire, even though other people have started calling it the Byzantine Empire. Anyway, so the headquarters of the Byzantine Empire was Constantinople, and it fell to the Ottomans in 1453. So, the Byzantine Empire goes to, from the Adriatic, or, uh, you know, For most of its time, it went from the Adriatic to sort of Iraq, to the middle of Iraq. And it went down to Egypt and west to, like, Tunisia. Anyways, so, it's interesting because also one of the similarities it has with Gondor is this sort of uh, slow... Uh, loss, the slow loss of land, and then the time where it will regain land and then slowly lose it again. Because Tolkien had, it really works well with Tolkien's philosophy of sort of like in um, fighting a losing fight that uh, that has bursts of moments where you feel as though you're winning, and that you're going to win, or that's symbolic of the final victory, but but then you'll start losing again, and that's sort of the evolution. It's sort of how like good kingdoms uh, become, or kingdoms in general, prosperous kingdoms uh, go from very strong because they have endured very many hardships and become prosperous, and then in prosper prosper or when they prospered, the next generation tends to become very idle in their uh, in what they do, and they become very poor in their uh, dealing with uh, at their adversaries. So they eventually decline. And then those ch- the children of their children end up being a lot stronger because they've endured this, uh, or they've you know they've be- it's become necessary for them to stand up and to fight off the people who are attacking them. And it's sort of like um, I mean, Middle Earth is often, uh, you know, thought of as a representation of Europe. And, and Gondor is sort of on the edge, and that's sort of where Constantinople is on as well. Administereth Tirith, you can think of as, like, Constantinople. The only difference is it's sort of like what it... Uh, Lord of the Rings is sort of the story about how if Constantinople didn't fall, I guess, it's sort of like a, a wishful thinking of the of the Byzantine Empire, of how it might have survived and how Constantinople might not have become Istanbul. And also, it's interesting because it's very similar to actually Minas Mordegol in uh, Lord of the Rings. It was a city named Minas Ithil before it was taken over by Mordor, Um, and then it was renamed. So it's sort of like that, because as the Ottomans took over the lands that were held by the Byzantines, they would change the names of the cities. So another uh, another thing that's very similar. Also, uh, in uh, Tolkien's works, it's very similar because the Byzantine Empire was once part or united with the Western Roman Empire before it fell, and that's very similar to Arnor in the lore of the Lord of the Rings. So if you think about it, it's very similar, and it's also west, but it's a little north, so it's not completely the same. There's a lot of differences, but it's very easy to kind of see the relationship. As well as sort of like the barbarians type of thing, um, and sort of, uh, I don't know, making deals with old barbarians that go into the land that you used to have, which uh, but having a more a better relationship with it, like Gondor's relationship with Rohan is that Rohan used to be, which is like the horse riders, the horse, the ride of the Rohirrim, if anyone's unfamiliar, if anyone's unfamiliar, obviously you should watch, you should either watch the movies or read the books, but anyway, so, uh, one of the similarities is that, uh, they've been fighting, or, or, yeah, So Arnor has collapsed, and uh, the Byzantine Empire, or not Byzantine, Gondor, (laughs) it's funny, Uh, Gondor is trying to hold back Mordor, so they're willing to make deals with the quote-unquote, you know, maybe the barbarian-like people in this universe, and those are the Rohirrim, and they're Northmen, and they're less noble, and whatever, you know, that type of thing, and they uh, give them land that uh, Gondor can't settle anymore because they don't have enough people, or it's just, it's inconvenient, and also it's it was in between the two kingdoms, Arnor and Gondor, but now Arnor's collapsed, so it doesn't even matter. Um, so Rohan becomes that, and it's sort of like the relationship between what replaces the Western Roman Empire in Europe, like France, and Austria and that type of thing, but it's also like you know if Western Europe had come to the the Byzantine empires uh you know eat aid when they were going to fall when the when the Constantinople was about to fall and uh so instead in obviously in tolkien's works the that happens. The Rohirrim arrive and they join, uh, join the join Gondor in the battle and they save, um, yeah, they they save Minas Tirith. So it's again, it's very similar to sort of like the trajectory of the, of the Byzantine Empire, this slow decay, with spurts of success and then slow decay continuing but sort of like the belief of in but in like Tolkien's works it's like the end of lord of the rings sort of like a is a explosion of expansion and victory that isn't felt in by the Byzantine empire because they they fall they they lose to the Ottoman empire and it's sort of like so it's Setting up it keeps the similar motif as the Byzantine Empire, but adds this whole inevitable evil and darkness instead of just a you know another warring faction, though many people did have that feeling about the Ottoman Empire back then, especially uh, Western Europe was very concerned about the western or about the uh, about the the Ottoman Turks coming up because then eventually they get all the way to Vienna, so it it is very catastrophic. This uh, defeat at Constantinople is ca- very catastrophic for most of Europe at this time because now all the Europeans that didn't, which is that didn't have to fight, that didn't have to worry about this problem, then have to deal with it at Vien- at uh, with a lot more political strife. Which is actually similar to Boromir's speech uh, at the Council of Rivendell when he says uh, that uh, that his people have kept everyone else's land safe and that it's by the blood of his people and you know that whole thing and that they're heroic and they're and that they're not gonna give up and they could use their help, um, but it's also you know so and then that's kind of like the relationship between the. Byzantine Empire and the Western, in uh, Western Europe, is because they sort of uh, lose interest in defending them, and they find that they don't want to help them anymore, and because there's sort of strife, political strife, religious strife, you know, it's general, the schisms don't, are not helping them. If there wasn't a schism, there probably would have been help from the west from Western Europe. But also Western Europe has its own problems. The plague, I think, was happening, uh, e- either happened before or was happening around the same time. And uh, this is also before uh, Europeans were colonizing, so this is... Uh, and you know people and it was still medieval or or much of the world was still sort of in this late medieval beginning of the renaissance period um so many of the states were really weak many of the countries were really weak so and didn't have powerful armies yet so they were not really ready to fight the ottoman empire or even come to the aid of the byzantine empire so it's something that's it's it's really interesting to think about. Is that it's really about uh, uniting and the lack of uniting that was ha- that happened that led to the downfall of the Byzantine Empire, which is uh, very much the uh, the purpose of Lord of the Rings. Is it's talking about unity and Lord of the Rings is all about the unification of all of these people to fight the inevitable the, the seemingly inevitable doom that is upon them and that is probably what most uh Byzantine or by people in the Byzantine empire Greeks or wh- whatever um had a feel or were thinking was going to happen and also there's the betrayal the of uh, the crusaders sacked constantinople a uh Many years before, uh, so it's kind of an intre- it's very pro- It's very problematic. It's sort of the divisiveness of how humans work and how humans engage with one another because things don't always work out, and it's 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 sort of how conquests, how such conquests end up leading to these types of things because that's that's generally how things work. Is that one, if everyone's united, it's generally difficult to defeat people in anything. This is, it doesn't have to be about war or anything. You know, standing up to the bullies in school or whatever, or you know, in any you know type of relationship, it really happens because there's no one else that's willing to help you. Is that or you don't feel like anyone's gonna help you, or you know, sort of. It's sort of like also like the idea that um, you know that that uh, this person wouldn't help me, so why would I help them? Or you know, focusing on themselves and not thinking outside of yourself when you could be thinking outside of yourself in that type of th- in that type of way. And that's one of the things that is shown in um, you know, like uh, uh, you know, the way that. Uh, the elves are are always more in the, at least in Lord of the Rings. Maybe not in all of Tolkien's writings because elves are not, uh, you know, not perfect. So, they're actually they can do awful things as well, just like men. Um, but the elves are suggesting that uh, that the that everyone. Uh, Unites and that they need to find a way to work together, and then they kind, they all sort of, or Elrond and the Fellowship of the Rings sort of sets that up, sets that uh, plan up between the elves, the dwarves. Like Gimli and Legolas are a perfect example of people um, having a hard time working together, and then working through their differences and have making that. Making everyone united because of that, because the elves and the dwarves, their relationships are mended because of the relationships between Legolas and Gimli, and then men have a good, generally good relationship with both, mostly the elves, but, um, but sort of unifying everyone together is Elrond's purpose, and Gandalf leads them on this per this journey to do so, and it's sort of like, maybe, it's sort of like an alternate universe, if, like, or alternate world, if, like, Western Europe star- brought together a group of people from all across the world, all across the lands of what Europe, and brought them to defend, uh, Constantinople, things might have ended differently, and then, uh, and the, uh, and it's also interesting technology, like, Like, uh, the Ottoman Empire has a lot of powerful technology that, that, uh, the Byzantines don't have, and that, and their walls fall because of that, and that's sort of symbolic of, you know, the whole magic thing. The whole magic thing in Lord of the Rings is that magic, or dark magic is sort of like, you know, bad technology, really destructive technology, and then good magic is sort of good technology, like, like healing, and, you know, those types of things. So, it really shows that, I don't know, I think, I don't know if it's supposed to be, I don't know if it was based on, um, you know, that type of thing. Also, it's sort of like, um, the Byzantine Empire is sort of a, uh, an old, um, Country, an old kingdom that is an old empire that is reminiscent of like old traditions and old you know old s- stuff like that which sort of Gondor and uh, Aragorn sort of represents is old traditions that bring together all the that bring or that uh, are falling to this threat in the east that is trying to destroy all of their all of the way of life of all the people in the West, and that is sort of reminiscent of this, but except for the whole like, you know, utter evilness. You know, I'm not saying that the Ottomans or anything are incredibly evil. It's sort of like you replace that with a for good story purposes and for telling the story that it that is very interesting and very exciting, and you know, it's always it's most stories want to have a good guy and a bad guy and um the bad guy is often is representative of this you know, this devil figure and that's sort of what uh what happens in Lord of the Rings. So you kinda need that when you're thinking about uh, you know, this type of thing. And it's sort of like it's also sort of like how you would see it. You would see this this art if you were in Europe especially Eastern Europe, or if you were in Constantinople, you would think of this, uh, you know, this unfolding army of the Ottomans that is cutting you off from everyone else that could help you. You would see that as a this this evil, this dark, this dangerous group that's, well, trying to kill you. So, I mean, there are some, you know... You know, obviously, like pacifists and, you know, people that would like war to end obviously show that it's kind of meaningless that all of this war happens, all of these wars happen, because someone's gonna have to live there, and someone's gonna have to. It's sort of like just. It's sort of like people's way of doing things back then was just kind of stealing wealth, and you would, you would, uh. And that's sort of what they did, is that they would. You know, they would attack bigger countries that, um, that would, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, that would have a lot of wealth and a lot of exorbitant wealth that you could steal and you would plunder it and then you would be rich and then it would happen and then eventually it would happen to you sometime, it, you know, that, or you would ruin it and it would just decline and, and that would be the general transition of power in, Medieval and, you know, this time period is that, you know, either you're at war for money and plunder or, plunder or you fail and you're, you're, you're destroyed, by matter of fact, because of your inability to defend yourself and keep your money or have money. And that's t- kind of the moral of the story, is that it's sort of... It's worthless. It's... You know nowadays those types of things are a little less likely to happen, but not necessarily out of bounds and it's and you have to see that as most reasons for war unless it's and some side it's going to be about taking wealth from someone else anyways uh I hope you find this interesting about the similar- similarities between these this fictional country and or kingdom, fictional kingdom, and this historic, uh, empire. And, uh, so, have a great day, and, um, thanks for watching. Bye!